Hello and welcome to a Brothers Creed podcast, where we talk about what motivates us, experiences that drive us, and exploring what's beyond the horizon, right? There's a lot out there. There's a lot. I'm Jared. I'm Ethan. And today we are in the Halloween spirit, as I'm sure you guys all are as well. And we're going to talk about some interesting spooky stories, some spooky legends, and some personal experiences and some experience of those around us. So we're very excited. Let's hit it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done! Okay, so let's talk about uh, some spooky stories. So, uh, my I have two stories today uh, that happened to one of them happened to me, and then one of them happened to uh, I heard firsthand from a lady uh, that uh, was involved with one. And so, first, I'm going to tell the story that uh, was the one that I heard firsthand from a lady that was kind of involved with the story. So I guess to kind of put myself in context to what happened here is I was in, well, this is when I was in uh, Mexico. I was in Mexico, central Mexico, uh, for two years as a service missionary uh, for my church. So I, I paid to be there uh, for two years and, and spent time uh, just going around talking to people about uh, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ and whatnot. And uh, so we mingled a lot of times with, with the members in that area, the members of the church in that area, and... Uh, you know, you get to hear a lot of different stories, a lot of different experiences. And Mexico, particularly, Latin America generally, is especially superstitious. And I think that, like, that area of the world, people, um, well, I've only been, that's, I've it's looked, the same. I, I, while you were right after Jerry was in Mexico, I was in Chile in South America, which is also Latin country, and and it's the same. There's a lot of superstition that goes along, yeah. Yeah, and so like people have kind of uh, you know they believe that, and I think that because of that, they they're more attuned to it, and they see it more often. I think sometimes like here in America, I think a lot of people are less attuned to it, but I think it does happen. Maybe they just disregard it or whatnot. But it's almost like if if you believe it's there, then then you'll kind of manifest that almost but anyway so this is a this is a kind of interesting story. i was in a place called guanajuato guanajuato and that was the state and the city and this is kind of a weird city it's it's all hills it's in this area they call la cuna de la independencia and that is like the the birthplace of the independence or the revolution so this is the uh, the the first mexican revolution and uh, I think it was 1812. The second Mexican Revolution, I believe, was in 1912, and that was with Pancho Villa. Fact check that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, because then, because uh, I remember what, right before I left, the guy was like, oh, yeah, in 2000, or maybe, yeah, it might be a little bit different. Anyway, there was, I think it actually is different. That's not right. It's a couple years before that, because I remember that, when I was going to get back from the nation, the guy was like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a third Mexican Revolution. And it was like six months after I was leaving. And this was in September 2009. So maybe it was, it was before that. Anyway, uh, so it's a great area, cool area, really old area. Uh, and there's a lot of legends in there. In fact, they have the, in this area, they have a, the mummies. There's these people that they, they, when they died, they buried them in the ground. And the clay preserved their bodies, and they're actually like mummies. Um, they call them las mumias. 
uh, de Guanajuato. And so they're kind of cool to see. Uh, and there's lots of legends there and stuff that's going on. So this is a story that I was meeting with one of the ladies, uh, and we, we call each other brothers and sisters, because we're all brothers and sisters here on earth, uh, and we call you know the people that we were uh, around, sisters, we would, we would say hermana, or we call them sister. And we were talking to this, this old lady, and she was kind of like a, she was like the Mexican version of a babushka, just like an old lady, seasoned like you wouldn't believe, seen everything all have, have she's had all the experiences and she knows what's going on like you don't want to mess with this lady and so we were just talking to her and uh she said yeah there was a and she told us a story about these two elders uh these two missionaries so the story goes that they went up on a hike so there's a bunch of hills in this area and they went on a hike up to one of these hills one day uh and they it's a kind of a famous hill uh, and they went up there, and they there's a statue at the top of this hill of a saint. Uh, and they started walking around, and they were just looking around on the ground. And w- one of the things they started seeing is they noticed that in the dirt, there were a bunch of coins laying on the ground, old coins. They were all over the ground, and just in the dirt. And these missionaries were saying, hey, man, this is pretty cool. Like, uh, this, you know, all this stuff's just laying in the dirt. Maybe this is some lost pocket change or maybe you know this is a treasure we found so they pick all the coins up and they end up with a handful of old coins and they're like yeah this is pretty cool uh, and so they end up going home uh, going back to their apartment uh, leaving the coins in their apartment they go throughout their day they they do the things that they need to do uh, and then they get back and they didn't probably know at the time but that was probably one of the worst decisions they could have made uh, and would it be a preamble to the most terrifying nights of their lives. So that night, uh, the two missionaries are laying in bed. Uh, the beds were facing a pair of French doors, uh, and there were two beds, and they were looking out. Uh, you could look out the French doors, and you could see part of the kitchen in the hallway, and they're awakened by noises in their apartment. They started seeing uh, shadows walking across these French door, walking down the hall. They, and basically they just froze and looked at each other and like, what is happening? Uh, they started hearing whispers in the, in the hallway and they, they started seeing uh, more shadows, not just one, but more shadows walk by. Uh, and they would, started hearing things in the kitchen moving around, silverware, uh, cups, uh, things starting to uh, to make noise in the kitchen, and they were basically paralyzed. Uh, they just were so scared they didn't even know what to do. They just laid in bed, uh, terrified the entire night. Uh, when dawn broke, uh, the noises and the shadows subsided, and they were like, "Whatever happened last night uh, was no bueno." <laughs> and we want to get rid of this. And so uh, they actually went to go talk to the one, this lady who I was talking to because, uh, like I said, she was the one to talk to. And uh, so they go to this lady and they're like, hey, so we, like last night, saw all kinds of shadows. Stuff was moving in our apartment. We heard whisperings. We heard like, it was like almost like people whispering and talking. And it freaked us out really bad. And she's like, well, you know, she was trying to ask some questions. Well, what what did you guys do yesterday? Did uh, did you do anywhere? Go anywhere? Do anything? And like, yeah, we went up to this hill, and 
that big hill up there where there's that statue. And we picked up, we found a bunch of cool coins that we picked up and we took them home. And she's like, you did what? And you're like, yeah, we, we took the coins. And she's like, no, you should not have done that. The, what the lady told me is that she said that sometimes uh, brujas or witches will go up there and they will throw these coins as offerings uh, to the statue, um, trying to get something. Uh, obviously, if you offer something, you want something in return, right? So uh, these are some type of offering to that uh, so that they can get something in return. And so by taking that, they were taking something that was not offered to them. And so and then they brought that back into their house. So she's like, you need to go take that back up there and put that back on the ground where you found it. And so they're like, okay. So they go back to their apartment and then they hike back up to that. They hike back up to the hill. Luckily, it's not too hard of a hike. Uh, and then they sprinkled the, the coins back on the ground where they found them in the dirt. And um, they got home that evening and <laughs> said a prayer, hoping that nothing would be, nothing would be there. And uh, it was actually gone. Everything was calm and they didn't have any more issues. And uh, after returning those coins, they had no more issues with shadow people whispering and moving stuff around in their kitchen. So, Wow, that's kind of crazy. And you were in that same apartment. Yeah, I was in that same apartment. It was crazy. This this lady was, I mean, she had so many stories and crazy stuff. Like one thing, other interesting thing I'll share, uh, and this is not my second story, but uh, she would talk about how, so there's this thing that we call sleep paralysis that scientists call sleep paralysis. I've heard of that before. And so scientists say it's sleep paralysis where your body's paralyzed and they'll say, oh, people hallucinate. But you're like awake. You're awake, but you but... can't move your body. And, and like people will say that they see people like sitting, like spirits sitting on their chest or, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, or they'll see people, but they can't move. And, uh, obviously the scientists say it's hallucination, but those who have experienced it say that it's something else. Um, and so she said, she was like, yeah, I think in, in Mexico, they called it subo la muerte or something like that. And it's like the, the devil or the death gets on you. Or, or I think that's kind of the translation, I guess. Yeah. And so what she said, she said it happened all the time. And she said that she could feel like, like pressure on her legs. Like she would feel it from her feet going up to her chest and she would feel like that paralyzing feeling. And so she was like, yeah, if I'm like sitting around and I start feeling that like on my legs and like that pressure, like that's like holding me down, she'll be like, get off me. And like, she's like, it'll stop. And so I'm like, dang. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if any of our listeners have ever had an experience like that. I don't know, man. If you have, let us know. It message us on on Instagram. We'd love to, we'd love to know about it. But yeah, she was. Uh, that was very very interesting to talk to her. And I was like, man, those guys really stepped in it. So I guess moral of the story here is, don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you. <laughs> literally, literally, this is what I tell my kid, one of my kids, every single day. I say, is that yours? And then he answers, no. And I say, then don't touch it. <laughs> and maybe you think you found treasure or lost a uh, uh, lost pocket change. Uh, maybe think twice about before, before you take that home. Uh, it might not be worth it. Um, unless of, unless it is worth it. Unless it is worth it. Like, oh, side story. This is not a spooky story, but remember that? So our dad one time was on a, a camping trip with some scouts. And uh, this was on Shackleford Island on, on the coast of, off the coast of North Carolina. And you can only take a ferry out there. 
and then the ferry comes back and, at, well, at a certain time. And so that's the only way to get out there. And so the scouts had camped on the island. The ferry was, and then the ferry was coming back the next morning to pick them up. And they were waiting for the ferry. And as the ferry was arriving, this kid comes up to my dad and is like, hey, look at all these coins I found. And he's he got a handful of coins that he had found like. Buried, in, buried in the sand. In a stump, or buried in the sand yeah. like on the beach, like under a stump or something. And my dad's like, uh, where did you find that? And he's like, over there, just in the sand. <laughs> and like, he's like, what? And it was like a bunch of, I don't know what kind of coins he's, I actually talked they, to They might've been like civil war coins or something. I can't remember what they were. Yeah. I, I actually did talk to that kid and I was like, cause later I, I was going to ask him about it to see if I go back and try to find it. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah. Dude, Insider they, information. He was like, that was in the, he was like, that was in the surf. And I, you know, he's like, I still have the coin somewhere. It was a really old coin. He didn't, he didn't remember very much about it, but. Anyway, maybe he hopefully he didn't bring anything back with him. <laughs> hopefully not. So uh, here's my second story. <clears throat> so this one actually happened to me. Or you want to share a story? Yeah, let, let, me, let me jump in. Let okay. me share a story because it actually kind of goes it's similar to that one. Um, it, this is also a, a mission story as well. Okay, um, yeah, do that. So, you know, Jared Jared was on his um, his mission in Mexico, and then actually right before he got home, I went on my mission, uh, which is, is two years as well, but I went to South America. I went to, to Chile, northern part of Chile. Uh, I was, Antofagasta. I, yeah, Antofagasta was the name of the, the, the main city, but I was actually in a northern city. Uh, it was called Iquique, was the name of the store, it was the name of the city that I was in, and... We are religious missionaries in the area. Um, you know, we talk with lots of people, and many people in the area consider the missionaries to to be very spiritual. I'd say some missionaries are, some missionaries aren't as spiritual. But um, there was a family in the area that they had several little kids that I would say were all under the age of probably ten, and we were contacted by the family they asked us to, to just to come talk with them because they had well I'm doing air quotes right now something weird going on in their house and us as missionaries we were kind of like you know we're 19 20 years old we're like okay well I don't know let's go see maybe we can help maybe we will see something cool I don't know so we 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 get there and we walk in the house and we're met by the the parents and we go in, we sit down on the couch, and they tell us what's going on. So they, their two daughters, who at the time were eight and six years old, had started to, to hear things and to see what they called shadows in their room. And they, they even said that at, at some points they felt um, like tugging on their blankets while they were sleeping. Which was really weird. So, the parents um, obviously they kind of kept an eye on stuff. But the 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 girls they would, you know, sometimes in the mornings and at night they would say, you know, the the, the shadows are bothering us again. They're bothering us again. And so, they had told us that that ever since these issues started happening, that there was just this overwhelming feeling of just dread in the house. It was like you know everybody was just angry at each other and there was just dread and it just it just I mean you could almost feel it when you went in that it was just. It was just heavy. I don't know if you've ever felt that before, but it was just kind of heavy. So they they were telling us the, the, the stories and stuff, and then basically everything the night before they called us, that's when everything came to a head. Uh, it was probably about 10 o'clock, they said. They had just put their, uh, their kids down to sleep. 
after a while, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 minutes, they said that one of their daughters came out and said, the shadows are bothering us again, and they're saying mean things to us. And, you know, they're whispering to us. And the parents, they were like, what? And so they stood up and they rushed into the room and, you know, flicked on the light, but they're really, there's nothing apparently wrong with the, 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 the room or the girls. I mean, they weren't harmed in any way or anything. They just, they just were, were saying these things. And so what they decided to do was they, I mean, they, they didn't know what to do. And so they said, well, let's, let's say a prayer. So they decided to say a prayer to try and like ward off or scare off anything that might be evil in the house. So they were all standing there and they started to say this prayer. And as they were saying the prayer, um, all of the, the windows in the entire house, like the glass in the windows just started, started to shake. And as they started to shake it, they kind of got you know, nervous, obviously. And then they, they kept going in this prayer. And then all of the doors, the internal doors of the house to the bedrooms started like swinging open and closed and slamming shut as they were like in the house saying this prayer. After a while, they, you know, they said they finished the prayer, and it, it, after a while, it kind of stopped. And after, you know, a couple seconds, and they were pretty freaked out. So somehow they were able to sleep that night. I don't know. I probably would have been like, "Peace, I'm gonna go sleep in the car." I don't know. But they they called us the next morning, and they said, "Hey, you know, we we would like you to, to come over and and uh, just we we want to talk to you about this." And so we said, "Okay, you know, we'd, we'd be happy to come over and talk with you." And that's that's when we got there. Um, so they they said that ever since that whole that whole night after that night and that all the chaos happened with the doors and the windows that there was just this there was this terrible smell coming from the house right and it was like a smell of like a rotting animal carcass i mean it was just terrible it was just the the type of smell that just like stuck to your nose um i had smelt it when we first went into the house but I figured I didn't want to be impolite. I didn't want to be rude, so I just kind of ignored it. Right? You know, there's a lot of smelly houses there's, sometimes. There's a lot of smelly houses sometimes, especially in some of the areas that that you know, I'm sure Jared and I were able to experience. Right? So we we get up and we they they tell us a story. And then we get up and we kind of walk around to all of the rooms in this house. I mean, it was just right after they told us this story, and so we were both kind of like. Oh man, you know, is, is something else going to happen? Are we going to whatever? And so what we were trying to do is, is they said they hadn't had any more other experiences like that, but they were, we were trying to help them identify what this, what this terrible smell was. And so we went to every single room of the house. And then in, in the girl's bedroom, it was the, the most potent, right? It was like super, super strong. And, you know, we were like, I mean, we, the dad was, he was scared and he was like, just, you know, help us. Right. And so we, I mean, we tore that, that room apart. We, we were smelling the beds and the walls and the, the, I mean, it was tile floor, but the floor and in the closet, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, did maybe one of your daughters have an accident or something? And I mean, it didn't really smell like that, but he was like, no, I mean, nothing. And, um, so we, we, we never found out exactly what it was, but it was just, it was, it was permeating. So, the only thing that that I found, and obviously this didn't this didn't contribute to that smell, 
But the only thing that I really found was in the corner of the girl's room, there was a small TV in, in, in the bedroom. And next to that TV were some pretty heavy, scary movies. Like, I mean, these were like the, the Omen. I mean, some of these like really scary movies that are pretty... I don't, I don't know the word satanic or whatever it might be. I, I don't I don't tend to watch those types of movies, but um, I think it's definitely something that a six and an eight year old probably should be watching, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I pointed them out to the parents, and the parents were like, "Oh, well, I, I I've never seen that before. I didn't even know that they had that." And the the girls had had admitted to to watching them, but it's just kind of interesting, you know. It, it's it's um, uh, maybe if you you know potentially invite something in or you're constantly thinking about something then um you know it might i don't know all the ins and outs but you know you're maybe more sensitive to something happening so uh we we spoke to the family for a little bit longer we said another prayer and and we left um we ended up following back up with them uh once every you know week or so just to kind of see how things were going and they said that they hadn't had any more issues that after probably about two days, the smell like completely faded, hmm. and they didn't have any more issues. They didn't have any more problems. Um, now, you know, like I said, I'm not an expert at this stuff, and I don't even pretend to know what actually happened. But <laughs> it was just kind of a crazy story that you know, as as my uh, companion and I were walking back to our apartment that night, we were just like, "Man, that was heavy." We we're just that was that was weird. I mean, we were both kind of kind of freaked out a little bit. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, one small story I have is that something similar to that. I was just we were just walking along the street. And, you know, people people in that country they they know us and they know who we are. Sometimes people will think like we're FBI or something or, or migration or some immigration. We're in white shirts and ties. <laughs> yeah. So, but they, this this one family flagged us down and, and it was this lady who lived in this this small apartment and she had you know like four or five kids, little kids, and she was like, yeah, there's something in our apartment. There's something in our house, and she goes to the. She takes us to the back, and she says, "Last night, my kid saw a little boy standing right here, and then he disappeared, and right by this bush. It was like it was kind of an open back patio that kind of like went into their house, and she was like, I want. She was like, Can you get rid of this thing? And we were like, Yeah. So oh, and like we said a prayer. We kind of gave a blessing on the house, and then. Uh, we followed up with them a couple of days later, and uh, several weeks, over a couple of weeks, and, and they said they had gone away, they hadn't had any more experiences, and but it's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Uh, I have another story. Uh, this is a more impactful story than the one I just shared, but uh, this one was probably the craziest, one of the craziest things I, I ex- experienced along these lines uh, in my mission. Uh, regarding, you know, spirits and whatnot. So this story, there was a, a sister in our ward, in our in our congregation that we were, that I was serving in at the time. I think this was in San Luis Potosí, uh, the city of San Luis Potosí in the state of San Luis Potosí. And very, very nice lady. Uh, her mother had just passed away. Um, like, and so one time we went to their house and you know, I was talking to her and we were just, you know, listening to her and, and, and talking to her. She was obviously very sad about her mother passing away. I don't think it was like a tragic thing. She just was old and then she just died. And so, you know, she, but she was still sad and, and we, you know, had just visited with her a little bit. And, and she, at the time she told us, 
you know, some weird things have been happening around the house. And we're like, well, what kind of weird things? And she told us a couple of weird things that happened. But one of the ones I remember uh, specifically that she said was that, like, they in Mexico, they use these five-gallon jugs of water. So, like, you know, like the water cooler talk, you know, like the five-gallon, they call them garrafones, big blue bottles. So they have that. And it's in, like, the way that they had it in their house was in, like, a contraption to where you'd, like, put it in this metal contraption that had a hinge on it so you could easily hinge it down and you could pour it into a, a bowl or a cup or something like that. Uh, and it, it just allowed it to you to pour the entire bottle easier. And so she said that that, that the bottle would like move on the hinge on its own. And so like, I mean, that bottle's pretty heavy when it's full of, of five gallons of water. And so she said that it would like tilt and then like swing back on its own. And I was like, that's pretty weird. And, uh, she was like, yeah, and, and so that was the one thing she told us at the time. And then I think we went to her house. We went to her house a few days later for lunch. She, she invited us over for lunch. Usually as missionaries, we would eat with people uh, for, for lunch and sometimes dinner. And so we went to eat at her house. And this is a very common thing that they would feed us. Uh, and so she you know, made us, made us lunch and we, we were chatting and talking and we were sitting at a long table. So I was imagining like a long table and I was sitting at the head of the table uh, and my other missionary companion that was sitting to my left near me at the end of the table. Uh, and then we had eaten and we had finished eating and, and she came and sat down on my right uh, at, also at the end of the table. So there was probably another seat on the, on the other side of my companion and then on the other side of her, and then there was a chair at the other end of the table, uh, which was probably, I don't know, like six feet away. I mean, it was a long table. And so I'm chatting and chatting and chatting, and, and then we say, usually before we left, we would always share like a, a spiritual message, a, a scripture, or just a, a thought to, to kind of, you know, get them through a week or whatever. And so I said, Hermana, can I share a scripture with you? And she said, yeah, sure, of course, of course. And uh, I remember reaching down uh, to my left. I had my bag on my left. So I looked down into my bag, and I grabbed my scriptures, and I, and I pulled them up. And I looked across the table, and the chair at the other end of the table pulled straight out like someone was going to sit down. And I just look across the table and I just look at this at the sister and I say was that you and she's like that was not me I told you stuff but weird stuff has been happening I looked at my companion and he's like did you see the 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 uh the picture I said what and there was a picture of um it was like juice, um, some kind of juice that, she, that the sister had made. And so when they make it, they actually make it pretty fresh. And so like the stuff had settled to the bottom. And so the part that I didn't see because I was looking down to grab my scriptures, someone like there was a spoon inside this uh, inside this uh, pitcher. And the spoon basically went all the way around and stirred the pitcher. It went all the way around in a circle like someone had grabbed the spoon and stirred the pitcher st- to stir everything up, you know, like as if you were going to drink it. it to, so all the stuff was all stirred up. It stirred it, and then the chair pulled out right away. And I was like, no way. This is crazy. And I was like, and there's no way that my companion could have kicked that chair. Or there's no way that she could have done it. I actually looked under the table, 
and, and there was it was too far the chair literally pulled out like someone was sitting down like that like her mom came and said oh the missionaries are going to share a scripture she stirred the, the pitcher of of our drink the juice that we were drinking pulled out the chair to sit down and listen to me share a scripture and i said i was like wow it was it was a pretty surreal moment and i actually like tried to like squint my eyes i was like maybe if i squint my eyes i can see something <laughs> didn't work but yeah i mean it was kind of weird because literally i was sharing a scripture with someone that i could not see with someone that was beyond the veil and so it just kind of makes me think that you know sometimes those who have passed on you know maybe they can see us they can see us i mean they in that case they she literally pulled out a chair to sit down uh or something did, uh, to listen to what I was about to share. I wouldn't think that like a malevolent spirit would sit down and want to hear me share a scripture <laughs> about Jesus, but it was uh, pretty incredible and, and kind of an impactful moment too, just to realize that, you know, to see physically that there's more, uh, b- that more than we understand, there's more beyond the veil. Uh, I know we, we talk about that and, and it, you know, with religion in general, but to actually see something like that is, is very cool. Yeah, no, I was actually thinking about that the other day, and it's kind of like, well, you know, we're talking about these stories, and I actually went back and, and looked at my, uh, I had written this some of this story down whenever I was on my mission, and, and um, you know, it, it just kind of proves that, you know, there's potential, there's so many things out there that we don't understand, that yeah. we don't that we don't know, and, is, and you know, it's kind of like what we, we said earlier, and, and it's just you don't know what you don't know, and, and so um, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah. All right, so I had put together, I, I heard this, let's call it a legend, right? Um, a, a while ago, and, and, and I went back and I was actually reading it a couple more times, I actually listened to it. Uh, it it's called the Russian Sleep Experiment. And there's a lot of controversy out there, I'll say, I don't know if it's controversy, but whether it is an actual story or whether it's kind of a, 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 urban a, legend a an urban legend, made something up, supposedly there is... Uh, there's records of there's old Soviet records of this um, experiment that that they did, and uh, but you know it's all hearsay. I guess we'll it, it will we'll leave it up to the listener to decide if it's real or not. So <laughs> do your own investigations. Yeah. So this this was called the Russian sleep experiment, and actually I think that I was reading that they're supposed to come out with a movie on this in 2020. So. This was in in the nineteen early nineteen forties. There was a Soviet testing facility that was um, where the military had approved this experiment on five prisoners. So basically, the experiment was they were uh, studying uh, basically sleep and sleep deprivation. So the these five prisoners they were sealed inside of this this gas chamber and they continuously pumped um, this this stimulant gas into the chamber. Basically, the stimulant gas was to help uh, keep them stay. It, it, it kept them awake. Um, and it was just like they were constantly in this um, this super hyper state uh, and, and, and they couldn't they couldn't fall asleep. So the, the goal was that they were gonna try to keep these people awake for 30 days. And they told these prisoners that if they completed the experiment that they would, let them go. And so obviously the, the prisoners were motivated as well. And they were like, well, all I gotta do is stay awake and then they'll let me go. Um, so during the first, the first couple days, the report says that everything was relatively normal. I mean, there's lots of people that stay up that for, for, you know, 24, 48 plus hours, 
um, that you know they're continually working and stuff like that. So it's pretty normal. But um, they said that they they the prisoners they were able to speak with each other in this big in this big room in the chamber, and they said that as they got more tired, they got more restless, they got more angry. the The conversations that they were having kind of just got darker and darker. After about nine days, the the report says that one of the the prisoners just started screaming, just uncontrollable screaming, and the the other prisoners that were there, I mean, they've been awake for for nine days supposedly, and the other prisoners were there that they were just in this kind of like, th- they did some testing and they said that they were in like basically brain dead to a certain extent, that they had just completely shut off, that their body was, that they were almost like they were asleep but awake at the same time um but so this guy just started screaming screaming and screaming screaming screamed for so long and and so loud that he actually tore his vocal cords and and uh he had to be removed from um from the experiment so when when the second person started screaming then uh and this was a day later they said that all of the, the prisoners that were left inside this chamber, they took uh, paper and, and blankets, everything else, and they covered up all of the observation holes that were in that the scientists were using to to study the experiment, right, and to observe the experiment. So they they couldn't see anything that was in there. But the scientists said, well, let's just run with it, right? Let's continue pumping this gas into this chamber so that these people won't let their sleep. And they, they had super bright lights on, um, like so loud to where, uh, or so light to where it was almost impossible to sleep. So as the days went on, they actually, um, it was just very, very quiet. They didn't hear anything. And in fact, at day 15, um, they... Well, uh, leading up until day 15, they actually had to come over the intercom because they couldn't see in there. And they came over the intercom and said, um, you know, is anybody there? Is anybody alive? All they heard was just a a very soft affirmative. Yes. And that was it. And so they said, okay. So when they got to day 15, they came on the intercom and they said, okay, we decided to turn the gas off. We're going to open the door and we're going to check on the the prisoners um and they told them they were going to do that and the prisoners said no do not open the door do not turn off the gas we do not want to fall asleep they said that if we fall asleep we will die and i guess they they just they feared at that point it had been so long and they were so sleep deprived that they feared like they feared sleep because they they thought that they were they they were just in so much pain and so much agony that they just thought it would just it just meant instant death if they just gave up so they they ended up opening the door anyway and the scene when they opened the door was pretty grotesque one of the uh, prisoners had had passed away um they said that a couple of the other prisoners had really really severe injuries from um self-harm and they they were severe enough to where they needed like immediate medical attention and so they pulled them out of this chamber and they um, got them medical attention but the whole time they were fighting and the 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 place that I was reading about this 
experience says that there was a couple things that the the doctors noticed about these people. They had done a bunch of tests with them before they put them in this chamber, and when they pulled them out, that it um, they were uh, like physically a lot stronger. Their uh, they were their bodies were like super resilient to um, like certain sedative drugs and stuff that they gave them, and that could potentially could have been a result of. Um, you know the the prolonged exposure to the gas or the gas yeah and so they ended up getting the medical attention and then the prisoners were like we want to go back in we want to go back in we want to i don't know if they were addicted to the gas or whatever it was but they were like we need we don't want to fall asleep one of the guys fell asleep and his body just completely gave out so they went to put these people back in um the chain. Did, he, did he die? Yeah, so the one guy died, and they went to put these, these people back in the chamber, and the military said, well, uh, they said that there was three people, or two people left that were alive, um, and uh, or that hadn't dropped out of the experiment. And the military told the the scientists, he, they said, we're going to lock these people back in, but you have to be in there with them monitoring them this time. And the scientists were like, no way. I'm not going in there and monitoring this. Like, I'm not going to do this. And um, one of the the scientists freaked out so much that he actually pulled a gun. They said that he shot the commander. And one of the... Um, one of the... The, the, there's two prisoners left shot one of the prisoners and then he just refused completely to, to, to go in there so they took him out and they found a guy that was um, willing to, to go into the chamber for uh, you know with this last guy to hopefully live out the next you know the rest of the, the 30 days that they were trying to get to um, but it was interesting. They said that, that he went in there with the the guy, and that it wasn't but ten hours in there. And the scientist guy was just so freaked out, and the the guy was being so crazy and just unconsolable and, and violent that um, he just wasn't. He said that he wasn't like even a recognizable human anymore. And so he said that the the uh, the researcher asked him, "What are you?" And the prisoner says that the prisoner smiled back and said that uh, he was the inherent evil inside the human mind that is kept only kept in check by sleeping. That was kind of interesting. The end of the story, it says the researcher um, actually ended up getting an alterta- altercation with this guy and, and killed him. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. You know, I don't know if the story's true or not. I don't know if... if you know, it was 15 days or it was five days or whatever it was. Um, I'm sure that there's been lots of experiments like this. I mean, just think some of the, the crazy and evil things that, that Hitler did during, during the Nazis did during World War II. Um, but, but that being said, I just thought it was really interesting that they said that, um, that he, he said that he was the inherent evil inside the human mind that is only kept in check by sleeping. And I was thinking about that and I was like, dang. You know, if if I go to bed too late and wake up too early, sometimes I'm just like super angry. I'm short. I'm quick to anger, <laughs> and and it's just like, can you imagine? You know, five days without sleeping, 
or, yeah, I can or imagine even, it. Well, even more, you know, it's like having, it's like having a newborn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I it's, it's, it's you get crazy. at the end of your rope and you're just like, uh, in fact, with our second, uh, he was just an awful sleeper and I had to declare a state of emergency for our family because he would just not sleep at all. Like he would just cry almost all night and almost all night. So we were pretty much at our, our wits end. But luckily, yeah, it'll it'll it will literally drive you crazy, Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that have, um, you know, like, I I, I don't know, maybe mental breakdowns or or, or physical breakdowns and, and, you know, just like the physical trauma just from the stress of lack of sleep and consistently having to, um, you know, deal with something that's kind of out of your hands. Well, it's like you need to learn. Those guys should have learned to sleep like Gandalf, you know, with his eyes open. Yeah. No, I'm awake. I'm awake. Yeah. Five five minute power nap. Well, those gulags, those Russian gulags, where they basically shipped all the dissidents and like political enemies to these gulags out in Siberia. Man, that's like, if you actually like dig into that and research that, it's just insane how, how barbaric, you know, how many lives have been lost due to communism. Yeah. Well, that was a good story. Yeah, I think was... I, I, I liked all the stories. I think they're all pretty cool. I mean, and those are just our experiences. Other than, I mean, I didn't experience the the, the Russian sleep experiment, right? But um, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Um, but there, that's the cool thing about how these are just our stories. I'm sure everyone has some sort of stories, whether they're you know they don't have to be. This is our Halloween you know Halloween special. It doesn't have to be a spooky story, but you know. Just cool things like this that kind of they make you think a little bit. They make you think about um, maybe the life beyond. Yeah. They make you think about uh, you know what am I currently doing. They make you think about uh, your your loved ones or, or even you know what would I do in this type of situation. So. Or the atrocities of communism. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, well, you know, to everybody out there, if you have any cool stories like this, share them with us. Uh, message us on Instagram. Or you can email us, right? At uh, yeah, a brother's creed at gmail.com. Yeah. So uh, thank you all so much for uh, joining us today and look forward to next time. All those out there who are interested in more experiences, please join us on our next podcast and let's build our creed together. Mm-hmm.